0: good morning it's a joy to be here thank you people for being faithful to the word of god thankful to the gospel of our lord and savior jesus christ appreciate the beautiful music here i love the piano here that the ladies just played for us uh the things which i don't remember the exact words that i treasure most that i hold most i sacrifice them all to his blood it reminds me of a verse that i have memorized recently and I'm not going to be preaching on that this morning, but it's Ephesians 3.19, that you may know the love of Christ that passeth knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And when we are filled with all the fullness of God, there's no room left over for anything else. We are here in the United States for a few months, primarily because of a young couple sitting down here. Uh, last August, I think it was, Brother Bob got a hold of me and we had an interesting phone call. And he told me that his son, Matt, was uh, interested in Anna and uh, told me several reasons why. And so I began to correspond. Well, first of all, I, I spent a lot of time communicating with our Lord in prayer. Barb and I put much time in, in prayer into the Lord. If this was something that the Lord has put in together and I thought, well, I, I'm no man. I've met him. I don't know him very well. And he actually, uh, to his credit, offered to fly us back to the United States for us to get better acquainted. And I thought, well, I appreciate that, but I'd rather have him come out to Cameroon. And at that time, the borders were closed because of the COVID situation there. I said, well, Matt, why don't you see if you can come on out? And uh, within a week, I think he had his visa. It was amazing. And uh, we've, had a, uh, we've had a number of visitors since then, but, but Matt opened the door and, and God opened the door uh, for that to happen. That was, I really didn't expect you to get your visa. I, I didn't know how you're going to accomplish that, getting out there to Cameroon, but uh, God opened that door. And this is unbe- uh, Anna didn't know anything about this, and so Matt spent a week and a half or so with us, and, and I heard he does some building here, so I put him to work uh, on a project we have out there in Cameroon, building an airplane hangar. He helped us with that. We went up to a mountain one day, spent some time together, but uh, by the time he left, and, and we, we we, uh, we asked a lot of questions. We had a lot of conversations. And uh, several of our daughters were out in Cameroon, not Anna, we had them gather around and, and bombarded Matt with some questions. This was a family affair and everybody in our family except Anna knew all about this. And uh, wanted to get everybody's input, even had Matt make a trip out to Iowa to meet her oldest daughter and her family there. And, and uh, anyway, we gave uh, permission for them to start corresponding uh, by email and uh, copied to uh, Bob and Monica, and, and copied to us, and, and so uh, uh, it's been fascinating to us just, just, to, just to see these two hearts begin to communicate, and, and uh, we realized that this is something that God has really got his hand on, so. We came back, and here, what was it two weeks or three weeks ago you folks got engaged? Can't remember anymore, uh, it was what day? May 15th. May 15th, not very long ago, that's two weeks ago and then uh, the wedding will be on the, on the 2nd of July, but we're just thankful. I was just thinking as we we're sitting here, we first came here, I think we had all eight of our children with us, or most of the eight of them, I can't remember, and, and, and here we are, you know, our children are growing and, and going on for the Lord, and, and we just rejoice um, in what God's, God's doing there. I wanna thank you also personally for your active role in supporting the ministry of Pastor Felix and Yvette. They're ministering in Nigeria. They were in Cameroon recently because uh, they, uh, they had a little baby named Joseph who joins the family of Shalom Lily Love and Caleb Wesco. And uh, it was a very, very difficult uh, delivery. And uh, it, was, it was rough during it and afterward, even before. But God is blessed, and they have a healthy little Joseph, and, and Yvette is recovering. At the moment, if I'm not mistaken, Pastor Felix is out in the middle of nowhere, a place called Alilo. He's trekked for days to get there and through dangerous country, dangerous because of the terrain, dangerous because of the rebel activity out there, dangerous uh, because of, of health, potential health issues. He's got a bad knee, uh, but he just keeps going out there to encourage his people. It reminds me, as we read about the apostles, uh, that would go around to the churches in, in those days and encourage those churches. And that's exactly what Pastor Felix is doing. So thank you for your great, great assistance there. And then several years ago, Uh, you folks gave extremely generously to help out some very definite physical needs that there were existing in the refugee camps there and and uh, we're thankful you you can't solve a problem by throwing money at it but you can certainly relieve uh, some pain certainly relieve some hunger and some challenges by that and thank you thank you so much uh, for doing that and 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 again thank you this goes back uh, about 14 years ago when our airplane was flown across the ocean to Cameroon, you folks contributed to that endeavor as well, and we thank you so much. And and we have another airplane getting ready to go over, Lord willing, uh, early this fall, and so you can be praying for that. We're finishing up a three-year transition. That day that Charles was shot and killed was a, a rough day for you folks. It was a rough day for the Wesco family. It was a rough day for us and some others, but God has has intervened and we've transitioned to a new location, a new minister direction, we've relocated, and we're just excited about seeing what God's going to do as we move forward for the Lord. The gospel, as a result of of that upheaval, has gone to several different regions of the country that would not likely have gone to. Uh, One of our pastors, Pastor uh, Eugene, is uh, establishing a church, and Pastor Ben Sinclair has actually joined him, a missionary in a seacoast town called Kribi. And of course, Pastor Felix has taken the gospel over in Nigeria and others have joined him there. Uh, in the capital city of Yaoundé, an area of about four million people, there's an active church been started, the Bible Institute down there through a fellow missionary and, and, and some other Cameroonians have joined with him there. Uh, our son-in-law Glenn and, and Sarah have been a great help down there in Yaoundé with them. And Bafasam, which is the area where we are located, uh, there's a church started there called Victory Baptist Church, and two or three other churches are being started in the area. One of it just started on Easter Sunday, named Resurrection Baptist Church. So we're excited about uh, that name. It'll always be a reminder of, of God's good work there. Um, and do pray for our son-in-law, Glenn. He's just, I, I just, uh, as Pastor Wesco is announcing, his, his current ailment. I mean, I've trekked with him out in, in, in the jungles there. and He's just a, a powerful strong, young man from Iowa, and this has just really hit him hard, but he's looking to the Lord, and uh, we believe God's going to bring him through and show he and Sarah some mighty things as they prepare to return to Cameroon to serve him there, so I'm thankful for the joy that God's given Barbara and myself in serving Jesus. Uh, Sometimes, to be honest with you, it gets tempting to say, you know, we've been in this for a few years and maybe it's time for someone else to take over, but God's given us no peace about that. He's given us strength, he's given us encouragement. The doors are open. I tell people, even though there's some difficulties in Cameroon, I tell them that the doors are so open, the hinges are broken off. And by the way, Brother Charles, he, he, he stole that quote from me and often used it, and I was happy that he did. But the doors are very much open there, and, and I'm so thankful for Barb. She's uh, been serving uh, together with us, uh, us together for all these years. And she loves the Cameron people. She loves serving the Lord. And and thank you for encouraging her and and, and praying for her. I'd like to have you turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter number 9. Acts chapter 9, verse 31, if you would, please stand with me for a moment. And we'll read that one verse out loud together and ask the Lord's blessing upon this message this morning. The message will be titled, by the way, Then Had the Churches Rest. Then Had the Churches Rest. Let's read it out loud together. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied Father, we thank you for your word, for its power, for its truth. Thank you that it is your word that you delivered to us, that you enable us to believe it, to obey it. Work in our hearts today, Father. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. We live in a violent time, but you know that could be said about any period of human history. We're hearing about what's going on and people being murdered in shopping centers and schools and grocery stores and on the street and different places, and it's very disturbing to us. A lot of violence going on in different parts of the world. Ukraine is what we hear about in the news every day. A lot of things going on in different countries of the world that you don't hear about a whole lot. Almost daily we hear of people being killed in countries such as Nigeria, Congo, Cameroon. And persecution is going on around the world. North Korea, China, Nigeria, The Islamic countries, their brothers and sisters who are facing some of the things that the people were facing in the days of the book of Acts. Just turn back a page to Acts chapter 8, the beginning of the chapter there, after Stephen was stoned. A great persecution rose up against the church, which was at Jerusalem and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles, and there's a great mourning going on. People love Stephen, and it says, devout, verse two, devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. While people were crying over Stephen's death, Paul, or Saul as he was known at the time, went from keeping the clothing of people who stoned Stephen to death, 2, verse 3, making havoc of the church and entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. He's going all around Jerusalem. He was going door to door. Later, he went door to door evangelizing, but here he was going door to door, grabbing people, taking them out, and hauling them off to prison. And um, both men and women, it was really rough. And turn with me now, if you would, please, later in the book of Acts, after chapter, Acts chapter 26... In Acts chapter 9, it's that wonderful story of how Paul was going. He'd been commissioned by the leaders of the Jews to go down to Damascus to persecute people. He he had papers. He had an authorization to do that. And he was on his way to Damascus, and, and he met the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus challenges him. He says, Why are you persecuting me? And that experience of meeting the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings on that road down to Damascus changed Paul's life forever. He says, who are you, Lord, who are you? And the Lord revealed himself to him, even as he does to us in his word. He revealed himself to me, the Lord did in 1980, when I was introduced to the Word of God by a missionary friend, began to read the Word of God, read it cover to cover. I didn't believe in the Bible when I started reading it. By the time I got to the end, I was a faithful believer in Jesus Christ. He saved my soul, the Word of God is so powerful. And it changed Paul's life, and here he is in Acts chapter 26, standing there in Caesarea, there's an amphitheater there along the Mediterranean shore, in northern Israel, not far from Mount Carmel, where Elijah confronted the prophets of Baal. Paul had been held captive for some time under several different leaders, and here in Acts chapter 26, he's being overseen by Festus. The governor and King Agrippa and Bernice, they were down in Caesarea, and they got to talking about this prisoner they had, Agrippa said, you know, I'd kind of like to hear from this guy. What's going on? And so it starts out in Acts chapter 26. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, thou art permitted to speak for thyself. So Paul's standing there in this theater. Now, three years ago, our children got together and did an amazing thing for us. They arranged for us for a trip to Israel. I I didn't think that that was something that we would ever get to do. And they contacted our supporting churches, and, and, and perhaps this church uh, contributed. I don't know who contributed that trip to Israel. If you did, thank you very much for that also. But we were there, and, and we stood in this theater there in Caesarea, and they said this is likely where Paul stood to defend himself before Festus and Agrippa and Bernice and probably a whole crowd of people. That, that theater, you can still see it today. It, it's been partially rebuilt, but it holds uh, probably 4,000 people. And up there, about eight, ten rows, is a little platform, which is likely where the royalty would, would stand or they would sit. And they'd sit there during performances, but if, if this uh, uh, time where Paul was before these, these royalty took place there, that's probably where they were sitting. And so Paul stressed forth a hand and he answers for himself. Verse 2 I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee, touching all the things where I am accused of the Jews. Now, Paul, he's, he's, he's going to tell them the truth. He's going to witness the gospel to these folks. And, and he's very aware that not only is he defending himself before these people who hold his life in their hands, humanly speaking, there's many, many other people listening. And I often find, and, and, and probably some of you do too, that when you're witnessing somebody in, in a public area, um, Oftentimes, at least in Africa, maybe that's not so prevalent here in America, but in Africa, soon a crowd will come around, especially if they see this, this American person speaking in the language of, of, of Africans, and they will, they will gather around, and they will listen. And there may be people behind me I can't even see, and they're listening to me preach. And even if the person I'm speaking to is not very receptive, I continue on because I know there's many ears that are listening. And, and so Paul, he's presenting this testimony, and... Um, I don't want to read this whole chapter here, but let me come on down here where he actually begins his, uh, his testimony, how the Lord saved him. I think we'll begin uh, with uh, verse number 9. I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Everything he did was contrary to the truth that Jesus Christ was preaching in those days. He said, which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and that's the verse we referred to there in Acts chapter Uh, Eight, verse 3, many of the saints that I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests and when they were put to death I gave my voice against them. I mean he was, this was serious. Many of these Christian believers were put to death. He says in verse 11, and I punished them oft in every synagogue. He was going not only from door to door, going from synagogue to synagogue. He had Authorities, he had soldiers with him, and he said, Arrest these people, beat these people, kill these people, lock these people up. Um, that's what was happening. He said, To punish them off and compel them to blaspheme. Now, how can you get a Christian to blaspheme? He was putting them under severe torture. And we all think that if that should happen, that we're tortured and we're forced to deny, to deny the name of Jesus Christ, that, that, that we wouldn't deny him but a couple of years ago went to a, a security uh, seminar kind of helping missionaries to know what to do in case we get kidnapped or held hostage or whatever. And the guy is leading that says, you think you're strong, but a person who knows how to torture someone, they can make you say anything they want you to say. So we shouldn't think less of someone who actually yields under that pressure. I mean, God forbid that we would ever be in that position, but many people are but he compelled them not only to deny Jesus, he was compelling them to blaspheme. They they were using the most severe forms of torture uh, upon these Christians. It was a very, very difficult time. It says in that verse 11, he says, and being exceedingly mad against them. He was just crazy, he was just consumed with persecuting these Christians and, and, and wiping them out if need be. He said, I persecuted them even unto strange cities, unto cities which were far out. And of course, that's what he was doing when he went to Damascus, verse 12, whereupon as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests. And he recounts how he was saved, a glorious story. At midday, king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and then which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me, and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the bricks. And remember, this is Paul testifying to the governor Festus and to King Agrippa. And I said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which I have seen, and of those things in which I will appear unto thee, Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. What a change in commission. (laughs) Commissioned by people who were against Jesus Christ to now be a messenger for Jesus Christ himself. Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance amongst them which are sanctified by faith that is in me paul discovered that he could be saved by faith and that day he believed in the lord jesus christ his life was changed my life was changed when jesus christ came into my heart when he forgave my sins when his blood was applied to me when he wrote my name in the lamb's book of life he delivered me from the powers of darkness into the kingdom of his son. I mean, the things that God does when he saves us are so powerful. I'm thankful for the hymns we just sang, which testify to that. Being washed by the blood of the lamb. He made white as snow. So he addresses King Agrippa directly. He says, whereas, this is verse 19, whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision but showed first unto them at Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coasts of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. If anybody ever repented, it was Paul. And repentance is certainly a part of salvation. It's a changed life where we served idols, now we serve the living God. And Paul was serving him. For these cause the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me, recounting the, the circumstances of his rest and why he was being held there in Caesarea. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day witnessing both to small and great, saying none of the things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. And here's what he preached, that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. And that gospel was for those people, that gospel's for us. That is the gospel I look forward this afternoon to going out and spread uh, information about the outreach tomorrow. That's a gospel which will be preached tomorrow. It's a gospel that changed lives then. It's a the gospel that changes its lives now. It's a gospel that will change lives until Jesus comes. And we must not be ashamed of it for I'm not ashamed of the power of God. Uh, Christ saves. He's still saving. Uh, the world may uh, appear to be totally hardened against God but there's people out there who are looking they're, they're seeking and, and God uses us to deliver the word and the gospel. If there's anybody here today that doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ, whether young or old, um, you need to be saved. You absolutely need to be saved. Oh, how important that is. We must be saved. Jesus said you must be born again. It was interesting, a couple of weeks ago, my wife's getting a bunch of dental work done and uh, the dentist kind of, we didn't know him he didn't know us he'd heard of us and and such but he kind of figured out we were missionaries I guess and and uh, anyway he kind of had a, a, a test question for me he looked at me and said you got 30 seconds to tell me how a person can know that they're on the way to heaven and so I gave him a quick gospel presentation he looks at me and he says now does that happen all at once or does it take a while I said well Jesus said you must be born again and he said, that's good. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a 50% discount on your dental bill. So <laughs> I thought that was really an interesting little little encounter there. But but, uh, and I'm not sure why I even mentioned that. I kind of lost my point there. But anyway, the gospel is so, so very important. And we have contacts with people everywhere we go. We love traveling across America and giving out gospel tracts everywhere we go. We don't always have the opportunity buying gas and, and, and such as we travel so much. But... Uh, 95% of the people that we offer a gospel tract to with a smile will take it, and, and that's just so so important to continue seeking to spread the word of God, and it doesn't stop with giving out gospel tracts, we're to speak the gospel, but I'm so thankful for the gospel, and Paul testified at that day. Verse 24, and as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul thou art beside the Thyself, much learning does make thee mad. I mean, Festus interjects here. Paul's talking with the grip, and Festus says, Paul, you're crazy. What are you talking about these things for? Uh, but Paul goes on. He's just calm, cool, and collected. He's full of the Holy Spirit. He's thankful for the opportunity to testify for Christ. Uh, humanly speaking, he doesn't care whether he lives or dies, he knows he's in Christ. And that needs to be our situation, and if we face persecution to come in this country, that needs to be the case too. But Paul just responds to him and says, I'm not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. I'm just speaking truth. these, These are very serious, sober words that I'm speaking. You folks would do well to listen. And King Agrippa says, believe us, And and then uh, he addresses King Agrippa, he says, Believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Paul knew something about Agrippa, with his Jewish background, that he had a certain belief in the prophets. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And Paul says, Exactly, that's what I want. I want you to become a Christian. Uh, I, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day, were both almost and altogether such as I am, except these bonds. So um, they, they hear him out, and verse 30, they get up, and they go back inside. When they had thus spoken, the king rose up, and the governor, and Bernice, and they that sat with them, and when they were gone aside, they talked between themselves, saying, This man doeth nothing worthy of death or of bonds. Then said Agrippa unto Festus, This man might have been set at liberty if he had not appealed unto Caesar. Now I find that really interesting. Paul stood up and confessed that he murdered a bunch of people. He stood up and confessed that he locked them up in prison unjustly, that he tortured them. I mean, that, that's a confession. But that was not considered a crime by Festus and Agrippa, it was not considered a crime to, to persecute Christians. They consider Christians as somehow undeserving of, of, of being protected by the laws of the land. That just really struck me as I was, I was, I was reading through that. And you know, our country, unfortunately, has a history of slavery and. And, and they're a significant part of the population of this nation that was considered as something less than human. Therefore, the laws that in our land did not apply to them. Thankfully, that in our country we've come to realization that, uh, that uh, there are not people that are less than citizens, that everybody's equal before God. Today facing a great, great issue, there are many, many people in this country, a huge percentage that consider unborn babies to be less than, than true humans. And so, The laws that protect us from others who do harm against us don't apply to them. It's a very sad situation. We need to pray and and trust the Lord for that, but it's just an example. It's it's been that way through the ages and all around the world that there are certain people that are just not considered worthy of being protected. In those days, it was the Christians. So anyway, I want us to go back to Acts chapter 9. I'm kind of going around the bush here a little bit. The terrible persecution that began in jerusalem that we read about there in acts 8 it spread as it spread the word of god spread people were scattered abroad everywhere they went they were faithful they preached the word of god and as a result a large part of that area of the world heard the gospel and many churches were started during those days and of course we see one or two examples there uh, without going into detail, Philip was amongst those that was scattered because of the persecution. Went down to Samaria, churches started there. We read about Peter and John going down to help him out, and then uh, amazingly so, Peter was was uh, uh, called by the Spirit to go down to Gaza and witness the gospel to an Ethiopian, and he trusted Christ and and went back to his country. And most likely, he was faithful in preaching Christ down in Ethiopia. And then Philip, he doesn't go back to Samaria. He goes up, preaches along the coast, and interestingly enough, he ends up back in Caesarea, the same place where Paul was defending himself before the kings there that we just read about. But the gospel went out, and that was one example we read about, Philip, but there's many other places. And by the time we get to Acts chapter 9, verse 31 that we started out with, we see that because Paul was no longer leading this great, movement of persecution, the churches had some rest. As you study the the, the, the history of the churches, there's periods when persecution was very intense. There's times when it eased off. Uh, a new emperor would come into Rome and it wasn't a big deal to him to persecute Christians, so they had some rest for a time. And then another one would come in and the persecution would be terrible. It, it went in waves of time like that. And in different parts of the world. Uh, where persecution goes on. Sometimes it's worse, sometimes it's, there, there's some relief. And, and so these churches, all of a sudden, they had rest. The churches had rest. And you know what, the churches here in America right now, we're in a time of rest. There's many things in America that are not as they should be and we often get distressed by that. But our churches are not going through persecution, nothing whatsoever such as was faced by those early believers. We're at rest right now. Now the churches can grow during times of persecution as we've seen, but look what happens during this time of rest in verse 31. The church is at rest throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, fairly large area there. And these churches were edified, they were edified. Were they not edified before when they were under persecution? Well, I'm sure they were, but. In a time of peace, it's just so much easier. I mean, we've experienced that in Cameroon. In a time of peace, you can go anywhere, talk to anybody. You, you can make great progress with the gospel. And then when there's times of conflict, when there's times of war, when, when people are getting killed, it makes a difference. You go to a village to preach to people, nobody's there because they've all fled into another country and things like this. I mean, it's, it's, it's much easier to preach the gospel, spread the word during times of rest than it is during times of war and persecution. And so it's just an encouragement to me and it's an encouragement to all of us that the churches have rest right now here in the United States of America and certain parts of Cameroon, there's rest. We have an open door and we must go through the door while it is still open. We don't want to miss the opportunities. So as these churches had rest through this area, it says that they were edified. Now one of the ways that they were edified was by uh, the leaders of the different churches traveling from church to church to encourage them. And you see that in the next verse, verse 32, just the first part of that. And it came to pass as Peter passing throughout, passed through about all quarters. Now Peter was in the habit of doing that. Peter and John went down to Samaria to encourage uh, uh, Philip. And Paul later on, we read about how he went around confirming the churches, strengthening the churches. And so a lot of that was going on The churches were edified by different preachers that would come through and help them. The churches are also edified by faithful local pastors. And, and, And that's a big topic too, but I'm so thankful that the Lord gave pastors to each church to feed the flock of God. And we can be edified by him. And there's numerous passages throughout the New Testament that talk about us edifying and strengthening and helping one another. So these churches were edified. It was a time of growth. Uh, of solidifying, they didn't have to run and hide every time that they heard one of the persecutors was coming to, ta- to town. Perhaps they were able to establish some church buildings, we know that many early churches met in homes and they met wherever they could meet, but, but this was a time of the churches being st- established, they were being strengthened, such as Fellowship Baptist Church, and they were edified. How important to be continually edifying one another, the churches were edified. It not only says that they were edified, it says that they were walking in the fear of the Lord. How important it is to walk in the fear of the Lord. The Bible says, blessed be the man that walketh in the fear of the Lord. The woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. We need to be God-fearing people. We need to have a holy reverence of a mighty God. And, and we heard a great Sunday school lesson this morning in Jeremiah, that God was judging Israel. Now he had His promises, fantastic promises, He was going to restore them, but God is not mocked. And we need to be filled, as we refer to that verse, Ephesians 3:19, with all the fullness of God. When you're walking in the fear of the Lord, that means that it's not a time to, be playing around, it's not a time to be children, we should grow to maturity in the word. We need to have a holy fear, a holy reverence of the Lord. We need to allow the Lord to examine us. Search me, O God, and know my heart. We need to let him point out to us. That's the business of the Holy Spirit, is to convict us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And as the Holy Spirit shows us in our heart, we say, yes, it is true. This particular sin is there. This particular attitude, this particular rebellious uh, behavior is in me, Lord. I want it out of me. I want to walk in the fear of the Lord. These people were many churches. I don't know how many were. There are, it says they were multiplied. There was bunches of them. They were being edified, they are walking in the fear of the Lord. Oh, how we need to let the Holy Spirit search our hearts, reveal to us what isn't right. Our son-in-law, Glenn, thank you for praying for him. He's up there. Those doctors checked him out every which way. They were searching him, trying to find out what physical ailment he has, and he has a physical ailment. They just haven't got it figured out yet. But in the Word, the Holy Spirit searches our hearts, and he will reveal to us what's wrong and he will enable us to make it right, that we can walk in the fear of the Lord. And not only that, it says that they were comforted. They were in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit doesn't just convict, I'm so glad he convicts, but he also comforts us. He enables us, he builds us up. These were churches that were walking in the spirit. These were churches who knew what it meant to be filled with the Spirit. These were churches who understood the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing to walk in one of those churches and see the love, the joy, the peace, the long-suffering, the gentleness, the goodness, the faith, the meekness, the temperance that those people knew in the Lord and the comfort and the filling of the Holy Spirit. There are different descriptions in the Bible of what a good local church ought to be, but this certainly is a key one being edified, walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Ghost. What's the result of that? The last two words in that verse were multiplied. They didn't hold it to themselves, did they? They spread the word everywhere they went. And people saw, yes, there's something here. We've never seen this before. We've never seen a group of people that that just rejoiced in building each other up, that had the joy of the Lord, that walked in the fear of the Lord, that when things went wrong, when things were difficult, they had the comfort of the Holy Ghost. We've never seen this before, and we've never heard this gospel before, and people responded to that. And the churches were multiplied, and continually so. And we know the Lord Jesus Christ today, those of us who do, as a, Result of that happening over the years and across the centuries and across the continents. And there's still major parts of this world. I was talking with a pastor just a few days ago on Wednesday night, and his church is planning to adopt an unreached people group somewhere probably in Southeast Asia, Asia. I was reading something about Southeast Asia, and an incredibly large percentage of people in many of those countries do not even personally know a single Christian. There's there's no one there to tell them the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no one to tell them that Buddha cannot save them, that Islam cannot save them, that Hinduism or whatever belief that they have cannot save them. They, They have no opportunity to hear the gospel. And if our churches today are edified walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Ghost, the natural result, or the supernatural result, I should say, should be the multiplying of churches. We live in Cameroon now for over 30 years, and there's, there's Barbara and I took a long trip a year and a half ago, for example. We're gone for a week, and we traveled, and, and, and the roads are terrible. We actually averaged about 12 miles per hour. And so a 100-mile trip would take us all day long, just bouncing over these roads, and, and, and it, was, it was the week before Christmas. And, and Christmas lights does not equal Christianity, I understand that. But we traveled through, through numerous towns that had electricity, and there was one place, one place we saw a little string of colored lights. And again, that doesn't represent Christianity, but it just tells me how far away from Christianity, it was almost an entirely Muslim area that we traveled through. There's there's no churches up there that are preaching the gospel. Uh, we traveled for hundreds of miles over a week or so, and and that's just one example of many, many places. And that's one thing that's uh, I've discovered since I, I, I've been able to start flying there in Cameroon over the last 20-some years. I, I see areas that I never knew were there before. And now we've got Google Earth, and I spend a lot of time on Google Earth sometimes surveying different parts of the country and looking at villages and... And, and, and trying to make plans of how we can get people out to this area, that area, but, but flying over these areas, and it's sharper when you're flying, and it's, just, it's that's the best way to see And sometimes my heart just breaks, because I know there's nobody out in these areas. There's jungle regions, there's desert regions, there's, there's areas of savanna, there's, there's the cities, there's the, there's the rural areas, the remote areas, and. And I'm just burdened for that. And that's just one country out of at least 50 in Africa and, and, and around the whole world. I, I, I don't know how to just express my heart in this. But I, I, I think if churches are faithful, and, and I believe this is a faithful church, and I believe you are being edified, and I believe you are walking in the fear of the Lord, and I believe you are uh, enjoying the comfort of the Holy Ghost, but the result will be putting all of our effort into multiplying the churches and letting God bless that. It doesn't happen automatically. He said, go. The Lord isn't looking for those who will yield themselves to go. He's looking for those who will go. He's looking for those who will go. And those who will help those who go to go. And we're so thankful for your role in missions. But it's good to be stirred up. I'm stirred up in my heart right now. I can't wait to get back to Africa in three months or or so from now and resume the gospel ministry there in Cameroon. Pray for us that way if you would. Um, Pastor Wesco, if you'd come up and I'd just like to repeat that one more time. The church has had rest and we have rest. And that creates huge opportunities. Let's be sure that we're unedified. Let's be sure that we are walking in the fear of the Lord. Let's be sure that the Holy Spirit has a great role in our life to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ.